And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. There is a king. And he's worth serving. Are you all okay? Are you sure? All right. This morning, um, I want to just say before I forget, because I can imagine that I'll preach and then you'll all leave and I'll say, I forgot to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, but have a safe and blessed Thanksgiving. Amen? Uh, God is good and he watches out for his people and I'm really glad he watches out for me because I need all the help I can get. Our message today in Better Things from Hebrews uh, flows into a subject that I feel like I'm doing a little bit of housekeeping along with the preaching of the word. The title is Greater or Lesser from Hebrews 5, 1 through 6. In the interest of time, I'm going to read it to you, and you can follow on the screen. It's in the same place, page 1198 is where it starts in the black book in the seat. But um, this passage uh, really is, is pointing us in a direction to something that is a key principle of worship. Have we, been, uh, have we been enjoying worship generally on Sunday mornings? I think we have been. Anybody want to say amen? amen. Okay. Those of you who are reading too soon, stop reading. Uh, we'll read it together in a minute. You don't have to read it out loud, but I'll read it. But we've been enjoying pressing in a little bit and sensing the Spirit moving among us. And um, a key principle comes out in the book of Hebrews that relates to the way we worship. So here's the text. For every high priest, we already looked at this last week, speaking of Jesus welcoming in, into the Holy of Holies and He's our, our, uh, the one who has compassion on us and therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. Remember all that? Every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men for things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can gently deal with the ignorant and misguided. That's us. Since he himself also is beset with weaknesses, Jesus wasn't, and because of it, he's obligated to offer sacrifices for sin as for the people, so for himself. Here's the key. Listen up now. No one takes this honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, just as he also says in another passage, Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. I thought I'd look priestly today because I'm preaching on priesthood. So I brought my little thing. How do I look? See, and I own these. I have these things. I, I got all kinds of interesting things at my house. You're going, oh, that's not funny. Uh, just so you know, it's not limited to certain denominations. When we were in Africa, the pastors of Nairobi Chapel all wear them. Okay? It's been a history. Baptists have worn them in history. You need to go do some digging, friends. Okay? So anyway, I'm going to start wearing one starting next week, and you guys are going to like it. That's the passage, and it's talking about a principle. So I have a subtle second title. I thought about this after the fact. I want to put the title back. Do we have the next one? Greater or lesser? Or put your money where... See, how come you picked that? Jesus said, put your money where your heart is. 
See how I roped you in on that one? Put your money where your heart is, but too many people don't do that. Or they say their heart's there, but they're lying. That's a good one to remember. Put your money where your heart is. That's a good one. But, yes, put your money where your mouth is. When I was in college, I was a brand new Christian, and uh, I had a great time witnessing on campus, and I was in a class with an Orthodox rabbi who was teaching uh, the religion of Israel, and he was a real believer in it, and we actually connected because I'm a real believer in his book. And so we got along, and there were a bunch of uh, Jewish people in the class who were liberal, which most of them are, and he had very little regard for them and thought I was better, and so I liked it, and I made a good grade, and I actually, anyway. But, but here's what happened. I'm listening to him talk about the fact that God is going to fulfill his promises, bring a Messiah, they're going to live in Israel, and I had the audacity to ask the question, so why are you working here making money? He says, why do you think I'm saving all my money? His intention was to move to Israel. And I thought, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He really is. I'm going to give you a quick survey. Take your, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you the answers. I always like to do this because I forget otherwise. But I'm only going to give you two so far. Number one, a survey, a brief survey of priesthood. Number two, a brief story about priesthood. And you've got to wait for the last one. I'm going to go as quickly as I can. A survey of priesthood. In the Bible, there are six kinds of priesthoods. I didn't leave you a place to fill it in. Use empty space on your bulletin if you want to know. Here's what they are. It should be obvious by now by what we're preaching. We're in the series of Hebrews that Jesus is our great high priest. All right, that's a given. So there's one. In the Old Testament, there were pagan priests. Around the world today, there are pagan priests. There are false gods with priests who help the people worship those false gods. All through the Old Testament, remember, Elijah had a great time killing a whole bunch of them? Boy, those were the days. But anyway, <laughs> there were also false priests. What do I mean by that? Self-appointed or other-appointed. God had nothing to do with it. In the Old Testament, when they got away from God's word, they appointed people from among the masses and made them priests to all the gods around or even to God. You remember in the Old Testament, in Judges, uh, there was a guy who found a Levite and said, I'm going to make you my family priest. Surely God's going to bless me now. He was off the wall. Totally wrong, right? God had nothing to do with it. It was false or self-appointed. It's kind of like getting your ordination off the Internet. I'm serious. I had somebody call me one time. Oh, yeah, I got my word. I went, that sounds hokey. That's exactly what I said. They didn't like that. And you know why I said that? Because that's what it is, hokey. Anyway, there's false priests, self-appointed priests. There was also the Aaronic priesthood. When God pulled his people out of Israel and made a covenant with them, part of it was to establish the way we approach God. Remember, we've been teaching on that. So I don't need to unpack it all again. But here's the text that says it. Bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. That's Exodus 28. Jesus was not of Aaron's line. We're going to talk about that in a second, but here's the point. They were the ones for the children of Israel. That was the way to worship. The Levites, Aaron's descendants, which included the human 
high priest in Israel. There's also the privilege we have called the priesthood of... Some of you know that. You're not very good Baptists, you know. Six Baptist doctrine. Do you know what the six things are that make you Baptist? I mean, we're not preaching being a Baptist here today. We're preaching Bible, right? But one of them is the priesthood of believers, that all believers have the spirit and have a spiritual gift and have a ministry to do. We're all involved in the process of bringing God to people and people to God, and we have access, as we learned last week, to go into the Holy of Holies. Thank you for all that emphasis on that, Tim and and, uh, Dennis. Appreciate that. We're priesthood of believers. But there's one other kind of priesthood. Did you know that God can do whatever he wants? And he can go pick who he wants. And he does. And so in the history of the scripture, we find that there are priests of the Most High God. We don't know how they became priests except that God chose them. Did you know that Moses married into one of those families? You remember Jethro? Priest of Midian. Chosen and selected by God. And the person we're talking about today is like unto him, this great name of Melchizedek. Look what it tells us in the scripture in Psalms. The prophecy that is recorded in the end of the text that we just read in chapter 5 of Hebrews says this. This is Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. That sounds like King of Kings and Lord of Lords, doesn't it? But that's not all. He's prophet, priest, and king. And here's the priesthood. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, Jesus, my son, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who is this guy? Well, you have to go back in history. And I'll do it as quickly as I can. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament. Anybody ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Sure you have. We use it as a byword almost, right? But back in the days when Abraham was on the earth, we're talking about mystical history, 1,800 years before the time of Christ. Abraham and his nephew Lot settled in that area. And four kings decided to become allies, the axis of evil. And they moved into that area and waged war and took Bunches of people captive, and one of the people that was taken captive was Lot, Abraham's nephew and his whole family, taken away as slaves. And when Abraham heard about it, he rose up. He had that attitude like I was talking about earlier. I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to go deal with this. It was kind of like a scene out of The Patriot. You remember The Patriot when he goes and rescues his son? For those of you who watch things like that, which I don't recommend, but it sure was great. Anyway, in his family, he had 318 trained men. 318. He makes 19. They must have practiced how to shoot arrows, sling stones, or something, because they went after these four armies that were conglomerated and beat the daylights out of them. They won the day. It's like a total upset. Absolutely would have made the national, international news. Here's what happened. 
after his return from the defeat of Kedorlaomer, that's the name of the, the guy that provoked the whole thing, the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom included, went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. Sodom, king, Sodom's king wanted to thank Abraham and wanted to tell him, uh, take some of the spoils, just give me the people back. And Abraham must have known something. He said, no, nah, keep your money, I don't want it. They went out to meet him, and also Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And, let's be clear, Abraham gave him a tenth. Are you talking about money? You bet. Abraham gave him a tenth. Can I just point out the greater is blessing the lesser. And the lesser is honoring the greater with this pre-law practice. One of the big arguments Christians who are sinning in their greed love to argue about, you're teaching legalism. This is way before the law of Moses. Thousand years before. This is way before. There's an eternal principle being reflected in this. What was going on in, in, in Eden right after the fall and they're making sacrifices? That is a giving process. Jacob said, if you'll be with me, I'll give you a tenth of all that I make. Where did this crazy idea come from? Baptist churches. No! It's an eternal principle that we're missing. So, Melchizedek, a type of Christ, receives a tenth. Let me unpack it a little more. Jesus entered as a forerunner for us, having become, this is a little later in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. He's a forerunner for us, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham apportioned a tenth part, just repeating the story, tenth part of the spoils, First of all, the translation of his name means king of righteousness. Melech, that's king. Sadak, Sadak is righteousness, the king of righteousness. And uh, the prince of uh, the, uh, yeah, that's it, right? King of righteousness. And he was governor of Jerusalem. Shalem, Salem, peace, shalom. You've heard it, shalom, right? The prince. He's the king of righteousness, and he's the prince of... Can it be any clearer? He is a type of Jesus who is coming. Listen, without father, without mother, without genealogy... They don't mean literally Melchizedek like showed up. Poof! That's not what it means. We have no record. And because of that, he's like this mysterious person who came out of nowhere with no beginning and no end. Who is that looking like? Anybody connecting the dots here? It looks like our Savior, the Son of God, who has no beginning and no end. He's eternal, and he moves in on human history. And the lesser... Abraham, the father of our faith, 
the precursor of the entire children of Israel and all the evangelism that would happen in the universe, starting with him. In you shall all the nations of the world be blessed, God promised. He gives 10% to Melchizedek. <laughs> like that. Everybody with me? All right. So that brings me to my last point, the sacrifice of priesthood. There's a sacrifice involved in priesthood. The one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had promises. Abraham had the promises, but without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. It's indisputable. It's anti-logia, anti-logic. There's no debate. This is self-evident is what he's saying, that the, the lesser the subordinate is blessed by the more excellent. Can we talk? Remember Joan Rivers? Can we talk? I'm just going to be blunt. I had a meeting with the FNF this last week. This is a, a mysterion. That's a biblical word, a mysterion. God seems to be stirring among us. And, and for those of you who, who uh, may be new or it's been a long time or whatever, I have a witness sitting over here who's been here with me five years, said he's only heard me ever talk about money maybe three times. So this is not a habit. I don't beat the drum. I'm just telling you this is what the Word of God says. And we had this meeting. We were talking about the fact that God seems to be stirring. Everybody's excited. It looks like he's blessing. We're having uh, newcomers come. I believe people are going to come to Jesus. And financially, we're struggling more than ever. Now, go figure that out. There's only two possibilities. I've been walking with the Lord 45 years, six, seven years, whatever it is. I don't do math, as we already learned today. I don't do math very well. There's only two possibilities. He's stretching us and teaching us to lay hold of him by faith, maybe experiment in ways we never have to trust him, or there's sin in the camp that he's got to crush. There's only two possibilities. Never seen God let me down. I've been in this business a long time. So the reason I'm on this today is, first of all, it comes out of the text. But... The builder generation is fading away, and we need new builders. If you've never stepped up to even try, let me just say, trusting God for a tenth is an ancient principle. That's baby steps. It's, it's a baby step to learn how to trust God. You, I can't give that up. I won't make it. I dare you to try it. I'll give you that portion. Let's see what God does. Let's see if I do pay all my bills at the end of the month. You know what? It'll happen. But don't do it because I'm saying, don't do it because you're legalistically oppressed and feeling guilty. Do it because it's an adventure following God by faith to see him show himself faithful. We need him to step in and show himself faithful at Harmony. If we're supposed to have a long-term future, which I think we're supposed to have, God has something in mind for us. Did you know that in the early church, all of the Means of grace that we've been talking about were manifest. We've already touched on it. I probably will keep you two minutes late, but let me just finish. I won't even put the verse up. Remember where it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching the breaking of bread and all of that? Remember that? Well, it says, breaking of bread into prayer, they began selling their property, they began sharing with all, and the Lord was adding daily to their number. 
That's an area we still have to work on. But all of those things, they were giving attention to the teaching of the word. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We already heard that. Fellowship, encourage one another day by day while it is still called today, lest any of us be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's fellowship. Not talking about the ball game, as fun as that might be. Breaking of bread, which is worship. Let all the angels of God worship him. Our great high priest, he's worthy of worship. The whole first two chapters talked about that. And to prayer, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Well, the other thing they were doing, that's right here in the book of Hebrews, is they were giving. So why I'm sharing that is if you've become a child of God or you've been a believer for a while and you're still in control, you have to ask yourself the question, am I the greater or the lesser? Is he who we think he really is? And if so, maybe I need to put my... See how quickly we learn? I need to prove... The lesser gets, I want his blessings. Well, what did Abraham do? He received all the blessings, and he gave a tenth of all the spoils to Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and the prince of peace. So it's a picture of, it's unmistakable. It's outside the Old Testament law. You can't say it's legalism. It's a principle that comes from ancient biblical history. And it was some way that we were designed to honor God and to walk by faith and enjoy him. When we were in Africa, Bishop Oscar, he just got on that. There's so much taught in the scripture, and I have maybe have done a disservice shying away from it a little. And uh, it's been a blessing in my life. I know there's other people sitting in the room who have put God to the test in this and seen him bless them. And we'll probably have to have them share some of that sometime to encourage us. But I'm just asking you, as a believer, maybe who's been naughty on this for a while, or you're just learning about it, like, I never even thought about that. There are two ways I know whether you're really a disciple or not. I can look in your date book, and I can look in your checkbook. That tells me everything, because I've put my money and my time where my mouth is. You can check it off and see Is he really my greater? And I recognize that I am the lesser. So I'm encouraging us to pray into that. You know, we've got a lot of challenges. I've given you two already today, right? Today's a big housekeeping challenge day. I'm encouraging us to sort that out with God, to pray and to ask him to intervene on our behalf. We're moving into Thanksgiving, the Christmas season, the time of giving. Oi. Right? Oi. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be asking God to show me, is there something beyond what I'm already doing that I need to invest? And I would just invite you to be part of the fun I'm calling it fun. (gasps) No, no, it's not. It's terrible. No, it's fun. And all the saints, listen to that enthusiastic amen out there. I know my leaders have wanted me to speak on it, and I've done so today, but thank God the word does not leave us in the dark. There's a principle here that God, the greater, wants to bless us, the lesser. And the way we worship him is this way. Let me show you. In the Old Testament, that's what you had to bring to worship. 
You take that thing and go, and the And then the atoning sacrifice, that's one thing, but read the Bible. They brought all kinds of thank offerings and fellowship offerings. You know, fellowship. I'm fellowshipping. I'm fellowshipping. You guys aren't here. Come on, come on. You know, fellowship offering. They, that made a dinner, a party. Everybody would fellowship, and they would fellowship with God, and they would fellowship with the saints. That's what it looked like. And a thank offering was a goat or a sheep. And what was that for them? This is what it was for them. Next picture. Bam. That was their livelihood. That's how they lived. They were taking their life sustenance and bringing it as proof that we believe you're the greater and we want the blessing on us the lesser. Does that make sense? So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Let's stand together. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it, Lord Jesus. Let us lay aside as God has prospered us and give to the kingdom, not under compulsion. I don't want people doing it out of guilt and and uh, feeling beat up in any way. I want them to feel the excitement of cooperating with the greater so that we can receive the blessings on the lesser. Would you move among us? Show us what the issue is at Harmony. I'm going on record, God. Expose. Peel back the cover. Show us. Are you stretching us to move into the future because we don't have it in us by ourselves? Are you stretching us into the future? Or is there something you want crucified. You need to help us. So we cast ourselves on your mercy and ask us to lead us into the future, the blessing of the greater upon us, the lesser. We worship you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. God bless.